So we are uh, having a conversation right now called Through Thick and Thin. Good friends are hard to find, and we're talking about friendship. Started it last weekend and uh, started by laying down what's called a theological construct or a, a paradigm that we're going to look at it through. We went to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, and we said, uh, where does the whole concept of friendship come from? And we said that the, the Bible teaches us it's actually created in us by God. So it's part of being made in the image of God that we would want to be friends with each other. So the reason why we love each other, the reason why we love family, the reason why we would wanna get married, all that kind of stuff, it, the same reason that we would wanna have friends is because it's the relational nature that God has created into us. We're the only part of creation that would do that or we're creating the image of God. So he said friendship is more than uh, social. Friendship is more than cultural. It's actually a part of our humanity and our desire to connect with each other. So it's a spiritual thing. And when God explains himself, he even does it through that metaphor of friendship. So he says uh, for his followers, he says, you were once my servants, now I am your friend. We function as friends. And when God talks about the church, he talks about it kind of in terms of friendship as well. So the more we understand friendship, the more we understand our relationship with God, the more we understand our relationship with the church, and then, of course, the more we understand how we might interact with each other. So we also laid down kind of a glossary of terms uh, last week, and we said there's five kind of types of friendship. We're gonna refer to a bunch throughout the series. Uh, there are circumstantial friends, uh, people that I'm friends with literally because of the circumstances that I'm in with them, I work with them, I go to school with them, that kind of a thing. Most of your social media relationships are that, they're circumstantial friends. <clears throat> they are not illegitimate friendships. Uh, they are not like fake friendships, it's not that at all. It's just circumstantial, we just happen to know each other and so that's why we have a relationship. That's the kind of the, the lightest level of friendship and then it deepens from there. So you have seasonal friends, friends that you're uh, friends with for a while and then the circumstances of life may shift and you may not be as close for a while. But if, if, they came, if you came back into each other's lives, you'd actually kind of pick up where you left off, right? So it's a seasonal friendship. It's a totally legitimate type of friendship. Lifelong friends, that kind of a relationship surpasses time and space. So there's a lot of effort that goes into that, but you remain friends. Destructive friends, these are folks that are poisonous to your life. The Bible talks a lot about that. And then what we call friends that become family. And these are friends that either supplement or substitute biological relationships. So if you grew up in a great family like I did, my friends that become family supplement that relation, those relationships for me. If you grew up in a horrible family, these might substitute, they may become your kids' aunts and uncles and that kind of stuff because it's, it's what you would lean into there. And it's, that's the deepest level of friendship and it's the level that we actually long for and want to, uh, want to really have in our lives. So just to kind of remember that, if you wanna fill in all those blanks and hear that whole conversation, go out to our website, graceohio.org, it's there. Uh, open the app up, the Grace Church app, just hit messages, it's right there. Uh, you can get a podcast for free through iTunes if you want, it'll come to your phone automatically. It's magic, all right? And so you can uh, sign up for that as well and you can fill all those things in. Uh, this week, and I wanna kind of start peeling through these different layers and I wanna start on the healthy side. So. 
What is a healthy friend? How do you find them? How do you identify that? How do you start to interact with them? And what are the characteristics of a, of a healthy friendship? So I wanna show you that from the scripture and then we're gonna, we're gonna look at that and kinda do a DTR, a define the relationship with all of those friends and we're gonna kinda understand like where do they land on that spectrum. Remember, these are all legitimate friends so we're not talking about destructive friends yet. We're talking about legitimate friends but there's layers of friendship. So where do they fall on that and then what are the relationships that I can press into to, to pursue uh, that friend that would become like family to me, okay? So let's look at these five characteristics. Let's just jump into them and uh, we'll talk about them as we go. The, the, um, the first level of friendship that we wanna talk about or the first characteristic of a true friend is this. A true friend, the Bible says, will build you up, not tear you down. A true friend will build you up, not tear you down. If you got your Bibles, uh, open them up to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter five, if you don't have a Bible, there's some there in the chairs. You can use those, and it's page um, 816 in those Bibles. If you wanna use the app, just hit live, and all the verses and notes are everything right, are right there. So Ephesians chapter five, look at verse 18 and following. We'll start to put this together a little bit. Verse 18, chapter five, Ephesians. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father of everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Ephesians was written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. He also wrote the book of First Thessalonians, and he says in verse, uh, chapter five, verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are also doing. So this is the picture. As a friend, we encourage, we build one another up. Go back to Ephesians. I'm not getting drunk on much wine. Instead, I'm being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father and everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what's Paul talking about? He's kind of painting a picture. He's not saying that if we're friends, we should sing to each other. Don't worry, right? Because for some of you, that would end our friendship. I'm just saying, but he, what he's saying is there's a richness that's to be a part of our relationships with each other. I am to be one who builds up another, who encourages another, not tear another down. My friends, my true friends, aren't the people that I go drinking with, right? I'm not gonna be drunk on much wine. Instead, what am I gonna do? I'm going to have a rich, meaningful, deep relationship. I'm gonna speak truth, love, encouragement, spiritual truth. That's what that relationship is to look like, and it's gonna lead to friendships that build up, don't, not friendships that tear down. There's a richness, there's a meaning that happens when I'm with these people that refreshes me, builds me, encourages me, ultimately pushes me toward Christ. Now, that's a very important distinction because when we think about friends, we often think about the people that we do stuff with or the people that we wish we were like or we wish they would interact with us. And sometimes these people are the people that cause the greatest weight in our lives. So when you're young, when you're in junior high and high school, it's the, it's the snotty girl 
who always tells you that you have the wrong label on and I can't believe you wear that makeup and you know, I, I can't believe you, you listen to those music and your dad, your dad drives a domestic car? Oh my, right, it's, it's that girl. Uh, for the guys, it's the guy who looks at you and he's like, you wear shacks, you're supposed to wear LeBrons, everybody knows that, right? It's the, it's the, it's the, the football player or the jock where you're ne- you always make the JV, you're never on the varsity, but you're trying to be friends with that person. It elevates then as you go through life. So you, maybe you go to college and it's the party animal in college and his whole goal is to get you trashed, right? And so he wants you to leave your family's values and Christ's values and he's just the party animal and he, he's your friend, you would say. Once you're out of college, hopefully you sober up and you get into the workplace and now it's the guy that wants you to keep up with the Joneses, right? You gotta have this, you gotta do this. The snotty girl's dad who looks at you is like, you drive a domestic car, right? That guy, right? And it's, you gotta do this and you should be doing this and your kid, if your kids don't do ballet and band and soccer and lacrosse, then they'll do drugs. And so, right, it's just pressure that, that comes on. It's the parent that uh, you're friends with and they have discovered the way to raise children and they even found it in the Bible and they wrote a book, right? And you, they can't believe that you don't do this and, it, and you walk away from these relationships and you're discouraged and you're defeated and you can't keep up and you don't measure up. Real friends, true friends don't tear down, they build up. There's a richness, there's an encouragement, there's a vitality, there's a fulfillment that comes from being with each other, right? Now, you're gonna take that principle, this is the way you'd wanna use it, you take that principle, whatever stage of life that you're in, and you're gonna do the DTR on it, to define the relationship. So you're gonna look at that relationship and you're gonna ask the question, what is the outcome of this relationship? Right, So you would feel the pressure, if you're junior high and high school, from the snotty girl, the, the stuck up guy, and you might step back a minute and you might look at it and say, no, wait a minute, when I look at it from afar, I'm trying to please this person and I can't please them, but when I look at it from afar, she's actually the most insecure person at school. Why would I want what she wants me to want? And then I step back from the, the jock and I look and say, man, if that, guy, if that guy couldn't throw a football, nobody would like him, right? Why would I want what they want me to want? You, you step back from the party animal in college, right? And you look and say, you know, he's like this, a seventh year sophomore. <laughs> like, why would I want what he wants me to want? You, you step back from the guy who wants you to keep up with the Joneses and you look and say, he's on... He's not like his third marriage, his kids don't like him. I know he's got the right hood ornament, but that's about all he's got. Why would I want what they want me to want, right? Now, we're not talking about like excommunicating people per se. That's what we're gonna talk about next week because it's the Bible says to do with, with destructive friends. We're just talking about what degree of input do I allow into my life? Am I fulfilled, Am I, is my life richer, is my life deeper because this person's in my life? Would, would they stay with me? If I blew my life up, how would they interact with me in that process? 
And I'm just looking at it and I'm say, I might look and say, you know, you're actually, if I'm honest, you're a circumstantial friend. I love you, you know, if, if we can hang out, we'll hang out, but there's not a lot of depth to our relationship and, and you're not really building into my life and I'm not really building into your life. We're just kind of doing stuff together, right? And so you would an, an, you analyze it a little bit and look at it and say, what kind of relationship do we actually have? A true friend, a real friend, the Bible would say, is one who encourages, who builds you up, who brings a richness into your life. A true friend will celebrate your wins with you. They will not compete with your wins. They will stand by you when you lose, right? You may blow your life up and somehow they're still there being your friend. And they are places of encouragement and strength. And the two of you are better because you have each other in your lives, all right? First characteristic, here's the second one. Second one is this, a true friend tells you the good news and the bad news. A true friend will tell you the good news and the bad news. I love what Proverbs chapter uh, 27 verses five and six says, better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. A friend is gonna tell you the truth about yourself and they're also gonna encourage you. They're gonna tell you the good news and the bad news. I like to, I like to say it this way. Your, your true friends are gonna tell you your zipper's down. I mean, that's just the way it is. Everybody else is just gonna avoid eye contact, right? Your true friend's gonna whisper in your ear and help, help a brother out, you know what I'm saying? So a true friend's gonna tell you the good news and the bad news. A true friend is someone who's going to involve themselves in your life, not disinvolve themselves in your life. So there's, a, there's a, a thing that men do especially. So fellas, I want you to tie into me strongly here for a second. This is a guy thing. Guys have this um, uh, I don't wanna get involved mindset with each other a lot. I don't wanna interfere. It's, sometimes we call it bro code, right? But it, it's, the, it's the, I don't wanna get involved. I don't wanna tie in. And so it'll, it'll happen like this. Like we'll watch a friend, for instance, and, and our buddy is blowing his life out, up, right? And we go hang with them, we play sports with them or watch the game with him or whatever. And we'll see our buddy blowing his life up. He's flirting with whoever, having an affair with whatever. And we'll, we'll talk about it on the side with our other friends. You know, so-and-so, he's gonna, he's gonna blow his life up. And, this is, and we'll often look at each other, what are we gonna do? And this is our answer. Hey man, I don't wanna get involved. That's his marriage. I don't wanna get involved. You know, he's drinking a lot, he's doing this a lot, he's making these bad decisions, he's about ready to try this thing, it's not gonna work. Hey man, I don't wanna get involved. You know, I'm, just, I'm, his, I'm his friend. And we have a mindset that if I'm your friend, I don't get involved. What I do instead is I cover for you. I cover for you, I keep the secret, I try to help your wife not find out, I try to make sure the boss doesn't know. We have this, this I don't wanna get involved mindset and we'll do it in the name of friendship. That's not a true friend. That's not a true friend. A true friend will love you enough to actually intervene in your life. A true friend will risk your wrath, they'll risk relationship with you 
because they love you enough and they see, everybody knows where this path is gonna lead, but you know, I'm a friend, I'm just, I'm just his friend, man. No, a true friend will actually intervene and they'll tell you the good news and the bad news, right? It's the enemy that multiplies the kisses. It's the friend that rebukes or wounds in order to help you be healthy. I remember uh, years ago, right after my dad died, I, I went through a really, really difficult time for about three or four years when my mom and dad died and uh, struggled a lot with grief and it kind of led to a depression and I was just having a horrible time. And so I would come into the office and, and the, the energy I could muster was to come in and tell people to do things, right? So one day I came into the office and we had this meeting in my office and I just looked at the staff. I'm like, you do this, you do that. Don't talk back to me. Don't ask questions, blah, 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 blah. All right, everybody go. And they all just kind of filed out of the room. And about, I don't know, a minute after everybody left, there was this knock on my door, knock, knock, knock. And I opened the door, it was Pastor Ryan. He said, I need to talk to you for a minute. He walked in and he closed the door behind him. And I thought, oh man, he just closed the door behind him. And he said, listen, he said, I don't know if you mean to do this or not, but you're being short with everybody. You're being, you're being rude. You're on the borderline of being arrogant and mean. And you are burning bridges with people who are actually killing themselves to serve you because they all know that you're going through this hard time. And Ryan said, uh, he said, I don't even think you mean to do it. I think you're kind of just hurting so bad, you lost perspective, but you need to know that you're breaking down these bridges and, and it's gonna wind up hurting you in the long run, right? Now that's a friend. He risked my wrath. I'm Ryan's boss, right? So he risked a lot walking in there and saying that to me. He risked our relationship, but he loved me enough to stop me in my tracks and help me to see what I was doing in my, in my life, see? A friend will wound, a friend will rebuke. Your enemy will tell you how great you are and they'll say, it's not my business. But a friend will involve themselves. So you would look, you would look at your friends and you would do a DTR on that to find the relationship and you would say, who, who are the people who, if I wanted an honest answer, who would I ask? Uh, if, if I wanted a different perspective, I'm, I'm not looking for all the people who agree with me and think that I'm awesome. If I wanted a different perspective, who would I get that from? Who loves me enough to tell me the truth about difficult things in my life? That's a great friend. And that's a friendship that you may continue to pursue and allow to get deeper and deeper. That make sense? Right, so a real friend will do that. They'll tell you the good news and the bad news. Third thing, a true friend is long-suffering. A true friend is long-suffering. That's an old word, and it's in the old translations of the Bible. If you read the King James Version of the Bible, you'll see the, the term long-suffering. And I actually used it on purpose because I, I think it's a great translation of what God was saying. But the term long-suffering means this. Here's the definition of it. Long-suffering is having or showing patience in spite of troubles especially those caused by other people. Long-suffering is having or showing patience in spite of troubles, especially those caused by other people. 
old word, we'll often use the word patient or comforting or loyalty. We'll kind of substitute those words in. But if you could wrap all those up in one word, it would be long-suffering. It's this idea that a true friend is faithful to you when you are going through the hard times. True friend is faithful to you when you are going through the hard times. So when all of a sudden, when, when you don't have the strength to be the life of the party anymore, these people are still with you. All of a sudden, when, when you blow your life up and, and all the shine comes off of you, these people are still by your side. All of a sudden, when, when uh, you lost the business and you don't have the money to, to pull people in anymore, it's these few people who are still with you. You make a mistake, you blow your life up, your circumstances change, and these people are with you as you are sorting that out. As you go through the low, the low points, a real friend is long-suffering. They're gonna be right there with you. Your, their relationship with you is taxing you. Like you're taking all the heat for what they did, but you're faithful because you love each other and you care for each other, you're long-suffering. Now, let me just clarify this a little bit. Long-suffering is not enabling, right? So that's a different conversation. So it's not me enabling someone. Long-suffering does not mean the absence of boundaries. Uh, Heidi and I were wonderful friends with a couple, and uh, he was a, a, a terrible alcoholic. He, ne- he just could never overcome it. In fact, it took his life. I did his funeral. But we loved them. We enjoyed them. They loved us. And we'd go boating together and grill out. We just loved being with each other, but his alcoholism was always a part of his life. And so lots of long suffering with him. But I put some boundaries up. He liked to call me at two o'clock in the morning and tell me how much he loved me. And so I caught him in a sober moment. I was like, dude, you're not allowed to call me after 10 o'clock at night. Like there's a boundary here. I got stuff to do, right? And I love you too, but tell me at a reasonable hour, right? So there's a boundary, but the friendship was still very, very tight. And we, we fought alcoholism together and we lost together. He knew Jesus, loved Jesus. I know he did. He's with the Lord, right? We went through those ups and those downs because we had great times too. We went through those ups and those downs and it was a loyalty. And by the way, he was as loyal to me as I was to him, right? So it's not enabling, it's not lack of boundaries. It's a friendship. Life is going to go like this. It's the way life works. And those long-suffering friends are with you when circumstances change, when things are difficult, etc. And a real friend is like that. By the way, that's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's how God works with us. He's long-suffering with us. Our faith in Christ goes like this, right? It's the nature of following Jesus. And the Lord is faithful to us as we're sorting out those low points especially, right? Next one, a true friend, a true friend will help you center on Christ. A true friend will help you center on Christ. Colossians chapter three, verse two says, set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on the earth, and then Colossians and Philippians are kind of connected with each other. So if you, if you flip, if you're in Ephesians, go like two or three pages to the right, and you'll come to Philippians chapter four. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And, the, and Paul says this, finally, brothers and sisters, Philippians chapter four, verse eight, 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. A true friend will help you center on Christ. They will help you set your mind on things above and they'll help you think about the truth, the person, and the outcome of Christ, okay? So a true friend's gonna do this. When you, when you come to a, a true friend with a, with a problem or an issue or just a, a life issue, they're gonna, they're gonna help you center on Christ. They're gonna bring you the word of God. They're gonna bring the word of God to the table. They're gonna bring the mind of God to the table, and they're gonna bring Christ-like outcomes to the table, okay? The word of God, the mind of God, and Christ-like outcomes. So when you go to a true friend and you're, you're complaining about your husband, for instance, I'm just gonna pick this one out of the blue, all right? And you're, you're complaining about your husband and you go to your friend and you're like, my husband, he's a diphthong, I hate him, I can't stand him, he was so cute, now he's fat, bald, and right? And so, and he can, I just don't know, he's, a, I, he's horrible. The true friend is not the one who agrees with you. I know, we always hated him. All the girls hate him. We talked about it at the tennis club. And that's not a true friend, right? By the way, ladies, that's what it always sounds like to your husband, right? So that, that's not a true friend, okay? A true friend is gonna hear you, right? Because we all, every marriage has struggles. That's just the way it is, no big deal. A true friend's gonna hear you, but they're gonna bring the word of God the mind of God and Christ-like outcomes. Wow, that's, that's really difficult. I can see that that's hard. You know, God's word teaches that you're his helpmate, not his competitor. Well, what about women power, girl power? The Spice Girls always sit. No, well, and we're not talking about value. We're talking about roles. You help him. Are you helping him? be the godly person you want him to be. Because how are you serving your husband? Scripture, mind of Christ. Christ serves. That's his solution. Well, I don't know how to serve. Well, what if we did this instead? What if we prayed for him? And what if we relieved this stress? And what if we did that? And the word of God, the mind of Christ, Christ Christ-like outcome. That's a true friend. They're gonna center you on Christ, right? And it flips the other way. My wife, my wife's the devil. I can't stand her. I don't know why I married her. The old ball and chain, the old anchor. You know, if she's not making me money, she's costing me money, right? And your buddy is not, yeah, I can't stand your wife either. (laughs) You know, never lie. I thought you were throwing your your life away when you said I do. That's That's not your friend, right? That's not... It's the, well, the word of God. You know, the, the Bible says you're supposed to redeem your wife. Maybe one of the reasons why in your mind she's so off the rails is because you don't bring godliness to the home. You bring the opposite. Why is your wife dragging you to church? The mind of Christ. You know, Jesus is pretty clear that marriage isn't about your happiness, it's about your holiness. Maybe God's refining you. Maybe James 1 is playing out in your life. And then Christ-like outcomes, 
right? You know what we, you know what maybe we could, let's brainstorm, you know what we could do instead of complaining all the time? We could do X, Y, Z, that would be in line with the scripture in the mind of Christ. And that's a good friend. They're gonna center you on Christ. When you're in high, junior high and high school, my parents are idiots. They're so dumb, they don't know anything. Now that I'm 16, I understand the mysteries of the world, right? And your friend, yeah, my parents are idiots. I can't believe we both have idiots for parents. That's not a real friend, right? That person has a substance abuse issue or something that's going on with them, right? So a real friend is the scripture. Now, wait a minute. The Bible says you're to obey your parents as unto the Lord. I'm 60. In the next 20 months, I'll be an adult. Yeah, good luck. Right, so it's a, right? You're obeying your parents. God speaks to your parents. It's the mind of Christ. Your parents are protection, guidance. Now there's a godly outcome. See, what if you respected? What if you did this and this and See how it works? So a, a good friend is going to center you on Christ. I'm gonna trust you. Listen, a f- some of your, your weakest friends are the people that always agree with you. They're the, they, they're the people, they agree with you about politics, they agree with you about who should have started the Ohio State game, they agree with you about the Browns, they agree with you about your, that's not necessarily a rich friendship. That's somebody who has the same complaints in life that you do. A rich friendship is going, they're gonna encourage you, build you up, they're gonna listen to you, because I'm making light of it, but these, a lot of these are legitimate pains and frustrations, right? We're just kind of having a little fun with it. But a real friend is gonna, is gonna bring Christ into the mix, and those are the things that are gonna land on the table, and that's gonna be enriching and meaningful and actually helpful in your life. Last thing. A true friend is equally invested in the relationship. Equally invested in the relationship. I'll just read it to you. You don't have to turn to it. But way back in the Old Testament, there's the book of the Bible named after a lady named Ruth. If you've never read that, Ruth is one of my heroes. Incredible uh, follower of, of Christ is how we would say it. But you ought to read the book of Ruth sometime. And Ruth was uh, a lady that um, was married to Uh, a guy who passed away and her mother-in-law was a lady named Naomi. And so the story of Ruth and Naomi is this amazing story. And I won't tell it all to you, but Ruth says this to Naomi. Naomi's kind of encouraging Ruth to go on and live her life. And Ruth's response to her in verse 16 of chapter one of the book of Ruth, she replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. And when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And that's an amazing picture of the loyalty of friendship. Now you're, you're stuck with me, right? Through the ups and the downs. And a friendship, one of the things that we've been saying is that friendships are created, they're not discovered, generally. Friendships are created, they're not discovered. They take investment. It's not, it's not this romantic idea. It's something that you decide to work out and give yourselves to. And so I'm, I'm gonna be the closest friends with people. A friend is gonna be like family to me when I'm investing as much into that relationship as the other person is. There's an equal investment. It's not you chasing the popular kid around. 
It's not you wishing that somebody would pay. There's an equal investment. And when you need help, they're there for you and vice versa. When you wanna get together and goof off, they think that's as good of an idea as you do. And there's an investment into that relationship. So friendships, how do you get a good friend? You have to be a good friend, right? It's how it works. And, and the more you invest into that relationship, the richer it is and the more that's going to come out of it. And so there's that equal investment, that commitment to each other, to love each other, to enjoy each other, to serve each other. And it, it's, a, it's a powerful, powerful thing. You're going to really discover that when the chips are down. That's what, what's really gonna show up. You're gonna see that there's folks that lock in with you and you're kind of you're kind of stuck with each other, but you both like it, right? It's like, eh, I'm here. Well, I just blew my life up. I know I'm still not going anywhere. I just hit the lottery. Hey, remember we're best friends, right? So it's like, but you you would enjoy that. You bless each other, good, bad. You cry together. You laugh together. There's an equal investment, and we're giving to one another, right? So characteristics of a healthy friendship. Now, this is where we hit the snag. The snag is this. The snag is when I take circumstantial friends and I define them as friends that are closer than family. A friend that is closer than a brother is the way the Bible says it. So when I look at a circumstantial friend, right, and then just kind of work the spectrum, but ultimately I define them as a friend that becomes family. And we actually do this a lot in very practical uh, tangible ways, okay? So we will invest in and satisfy social relationships to the detriment of meaningful relationships. We do it all the time. I'm going to, I'm going to placate these social pressures because they mean so much or I'm told they mean so much to me and I'm gonna spend my time and my energy doing that and I'm going to lose the opportunity to build into my deep, meaningful relationships. Now, here's a very practical way that we do this. Ready? When I have time, finally, with a friend, because time's hard to get, and I have time with a good friend and we're trying to have a deep conversation, and every time my phone buzzes, I look at it. Every time I get a, a tweet, every time I get a text, every time Facebook, and I'm looking, and I'm, I'm, I will sacrifice this conversation. I will sacrifice the depth of silence. Sometimes it's really good just to be near each other because I got, I got oh, 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 look what they're having for dessert, right? Oh, look at that, look at that. Oh, they got their nails done, <gasps> right? And we'll actually know more trivia then we'll know someone's heart, okay? Now, I am not a poet, don't hear me wrong. My circumstantial friends are people that I care about. It's, it's not like it's all lies. It's just not as rich. And when I, when I know 500 pieces of trivia, but really nothing about what's going on in your life, how will I ever have a deep, real, meaningful friendship? My Facebook friends will tell me they're really sorry when my life blows up. These people are usually standing by my side, okay? Now you take that, that's an A example. Take it and play it a thousand different ways, but that's the flaw. That's where we get mixed up, is we'll treat these guys like they're defining and investing in our lives, and we'll do that to the neglect 
of these people who will actually tell us the good news and the bad news, who will actually encourage us, who will actually long suffer with us, et cetera, et cetera. Make sense? Now, the way that this is so awesome then is this. The more I understand about friendship, the more I understand about how a church works. And the more I understand about how the church, the spiritual entity of the church works, the more I understand how God actually wants to interact with me. So everything that I, I showed you here about characteristics of a healthy friendship, about 90% of those passages, God is actually talking about the church. And so he would look at the church and he would say, yeah, a healthy church is a place that builds you up, doesn't tear you down. That, that's the way a church is supposed to work. You're supposed, it, you're supposed to encourage one another, mourn with each other, laugh with each other, speak truth into one another's life, enjoy each other. That's the idea of a healthy church. A healthy church is a place that tells you good news and bad news, right? So you're gonna come to church some weeks and you're gonna be like, oh, I, that was so comforting, that was so good. I really needed that. And then you're gonna leave church some weeks and you're like, I think my wife emailed him. He just beat me up the whole time. I might hate Jeff Bogue. There's a club, by the way, it's on Facebook, right? So it's a, so some, you're gonna hear good news, you're gonna hear bad news, right? By the way, that's, that's, that's the way it's supposed to be, right? We're gonna encourage good news, bad news. A good church is gonna long suffer. So we're gonna go through the ups and downs of life. I, I was talking with a friend, um, a few years ago, her husband passed away, and uh, about three or four months after he passed away, I was just checking on her, I called her, just checking on her, and, and she said, no, she said, you know what, Pastor Jeff, she goes, I never realized that my real friends were the people I went to church with. They're the ones that are still around. People came to the viewing, they came to the funeral, they were sad, they brought cookies, but the, the people that are mowing my grass and fixing my house and checking on my kids, right? That's the long suffering, yeah. You, 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 your life crashed out, here we are. That's the idea in a, in a healthy church. Healthy church is gonna help you center on Christ and healthy church is gonna be equally invested in the relationship. Now, as you, as you look at the church, that's the idea. Is it always gonna play out that cleanly? Of course not, we're all sinners and what we do best is sin against each other, right? But it's the idea of friendship. Church is not something that I attend. Church is in something I throw some money at. We're not a not-for-profit uh, you know, help organization. We're the spiritual entity of Jesus Christ. And this is the relationship mix that, that we as individuals need to be pursuing in the church. And, and like every relationship, there's gonna be degrees that it works out. But God uses that image, that metaphor, to say this is the way that I want my church to work. Now, you deepen in another step, and you find out how we're supposed to interact with God. So Jesus says, I once was your master, you were my servants, now I want to call you my friends. So God is not a God that wants to be placated. He's not a God that you come and pay homage to you know, a couple times a month and then hope he doesn't hit you with lightning. God is a personal, relational friend who wants to go through everyday life with you. So God builds you up, he doesn't tear you down. God's not out to get you. He didn't come into the world to condemn the world, he came to the world that the world through him might be saved. If God wanted to get you, he would have got you a long time ago. 
He came to be with us, to walk with us. God tells you good news and bad news. That's the gospel. The gospel's good news, good news, bad news. Bad news is you're a sinner, you're on your way to hell. Good news is there's a loving God who loves you, gave a son who lived, died, rose again, and provided a way of escape that you can accept for free, right? It's a good news, bad news relationship. God is long-suffering, right? He's patient with us as we struggle to figure life out. God, of course, is Christ-centered. Jesus brings solutions to the table for us, and God is equally invested. We're, We're not trying to somehow get God's attention. He loved us completely. You don't get more invested than offering your only son to die on the cross for you. So as I look at this metaphor, just like I would look at the metaphor of father in the Bible or family in the Bible, friend. And the more that I have a godly perspective on my friendships, the more I understand the, 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 the place of the church, the group that God created, how we love and interact with each other, and the more I understand even my relationship with God, right? And when I lock these things in, they become powerful parts of my, my life. So I was thinking about this a lot this last week and um, I got to, uh, <clears throat> kind of a long story, I was, wor- I was working on a project with somebody out of state and they were asking me kind of how the church came to be and all that kind of stuff and, and I, was, I was thinking about that and I was thinking about friendship and I got to thinking about the early days here at Grace Church, right? So Grace will be 16 years old in January so we're almost, we'll, be, we'll we get our driver's license next year so we're excited about that. And um, as I was thinking about the early days of Grace Church, I'll be honest with you, when I think about the early days of the church, mostly what I think about is pain. I actually don't like to think about it too much because I, I got beat up a bunch in the early days of the church. And when we, when we started Grace, most of the ideas that, we, uh, that would be commonplace today were very, very radical back then, like very radical. So I got accused a lot. Heidi and I got accused a lot. I was accused of being a liberal and an emergent church leader and all, all these things, right? And so it just was always coming at us all, all the time. And I remember in those early days, there weren't many of us and there was enormous pressure to placate social pressures. A church, if you're starting, a church is supposed to be this. Where's this element? What's this element? Why do you teach this way? What's your problem, right? All those kind of things. There was enormous pressure to kind of please people that were in and around the church at the time. And they would, they would literally threaten with their money, right? Well, I'm, I'm leaving. We, we lost our best giver like four times in a row, right? And back then, like one family left, they might take a quarter of the budget with them. So this, it was like survival stuff and, and it was just hard and lonely and, and I don't really like to think about that much to be honest with you. But as I was thinking about it, I thought back to those things and then I thought about a group of people that were committed to each other and a group of people that would tell me the good news and bad news about myself. They would, they would look and say, you know, Jeff, that was kind of a dumb hill to die on. 
or they would look and say, that was an important hill to die on, we'll die on it with you. Uh, a group of people, when someone would throw a fit and leave, I mean, we were barely fu functioning, you gotta understand, it was like week to week, right? And they would leave and somehow these guys would make the budget work, I don't know how they did it. And they, they would surround me, when there was a tsunami of criticism coming or attack coming, these people would get in front of Heidi and I and they would kind of <laughs> absorb as much of the wave as they could. And then we would kind of get the leftovers, right? And I can remember so many days driving home late at night, difficult meeting, lonely, thinking, why did I do this? I should have done something else with my life, right? And I remember many times thinking, well, if I had to start over, at least I would have this person, this person, this person, this. We could probably go try to pursue the dream again, right? I remember thinking, well, if I, I can duck behind so-and-so, they'll go fight as, I don't have a lot of strength left. They'll go fight as much of that fight for me as they can. And then maybe I can take the last two punches and we can win this thing, All right? Now I want you to see this. What you experience at Grace Church right now and the things that you would love and would be familiar to you what you need to understand is this in many ways is a direct result of, ready? Friendship. People who just decided we're gonna love each other. People who look and say, well, you're kinda stuck with me. And we had a shared passion and a shared investment and had a dream and there's a group of people that locked kind of arms, that friendship became a church body. That church body was empowered by Christ. And that group of friends is literally, that friendship is literally affecting the globe right now as we speak. That's the power of friendship. It's, it's not just who do I watch the Super Bowl with. That's, that's part of it, it's fun, no big deal, right? But there's, there's a depth, it's friends that are like family, right? I'll, I would take, I'll take this hit for you like you were my brother. And when you unify like that, and you give yourself to each other like that, literally God empowers it. He explains how it works through that metaphor of friendship. We hang together, right? We're the church, it's the relationship of God. And you look back and you realize, man, if the, I look at some of these, fam some of you are in the room right now. I look at some of these families, I think, man, if they would have bailed on me, right? If they would have turned on me, if they would have walked, we wouldn't, we would not be here. It was down to like that thin of a line. That's what friendship can do. That's how a church is supposed to work in many ways. And that's why this is, these are deep spiritual things. We weave ourselves into each other's lives 
because God created us to do that, right? And those are relationships that I, the, the joys of my life far outweigh the pains because we got to go through those things together. That's what you're looking for. That's what we all long for. And defining the relationships correctly. Your Facebook friends really are friends, enjoy them. It's great to know, you know, the new deserted Applebee's, it's fine, right? But just weigh it correctly and don't pursue all this instead of these deep, long-lasting, eternity-impacting relationships that God wants to give us, okay? All right, let me ask you a couple questions. Here's the first one, who are your true friends? And just to find the relationship, there's nothing snotty about that, it's just clarity. Who are your true friends? Who are the people most loyal to you? Who's the, who's the people that will look you in the eye and tell you the truth about things? Who can you trust to get that kind of feedback from you? For example, who are your true friends? Do, do they know it? And, and do they know that you love them? I think that's important to voice those things to people. Who are your true friends? Secondly, are you a true friend? You gotta be one to know one, right? Are you a true friend? When you get the call, do you drop everything? Do you pursue relationships? Are you as loyal to them, right? Are you a true friend? And then lastly, are you investing relational energy into the family of Christ? If we wanna continue to be a healthy church and the movement of God, we have to be friends with each other. We have to invest, right? We have to make those moves, and that's the way that a healthy church is supposed to work, okay? There, there's all kinds of people. There's destructive people in a church, but there's also Christ-centered people, and they can be found, and they can be interacted with, and those friendships can be created, right? Okay, I'm gonna ask the band to come out. As they settle in, I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll give you some time to just kind of think and process and be with the Lord here for a few minutes. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for being our friend. God, I pray that you will clarify in our hearts and minds um, the people that you've brought into our lives that we should and could invest ourselves in. God, I'm grateful for my friends. Lord, they, they mean the world to me. And uh, Father, I pray that everyone will be able to lock in and connect and find that person that they can really share life and enjoy. God, help us to see your church in that light and to see you in that light, that you're not somebody that we just throw a token to, but you really wanna know us, you really wanna walk with us, and you really wanna have us and you enjoy life together. So create that in us as well. Help us to that in Jesus, in your name, amen.